everybody. My name is uh, Associate Professor Peter Meliaris, and this is a new podcast series. It's uh, uh, attached to the Tetanopathy rehab.com um, website where I have my uh, blog which has been going for a few years. Uh, this is a foray into something new which is podcasts um, and what I plan to do is uh, review one or two papers per month um, that have some clinical interest. So uh, this uh, podcast we're going to be talking about a paper by lead author Larry Miller and there's four other co-authors. It was in BJSM Open Sports and Exercise Medicine, which is an open access, high quality, what they call high quality open access, so it would have had peer review. Um, and the title is Efficacy of Platelet-Rich Plasma Injections for Symptomatic Tendinopathy, Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of Randomized Injection Controlled Trials. I was particularly interested in this because uh, PRP is a bit of a hot potato, very topical. The studies. Um, showing that it uh, largely doesn't work, yet it is very, very popular clinically. Um, in terms of uh, a summary of what is already known that the authors provided, um, they talk about uh, PRP, platelet-rich plasma injections, um, as having generally positive results in tendinopathy, which I found difficult to believe. Um, study designs and PRP preparation methods vary widely, which complicates interpretation of efficacy. Um, uh, so uh, it's, it is difficult to say that results are generally positive when you look at the literature, and we'll delve into that a little bit uh, as we go through. Um, just an interesting side point, here in Australia, the government stopped funding uh, PRP injections. It would have been at least two or three years ago now, largely because of a review of the evidence at that time, um, which probably hasn't changed very much. Um, although there are gaps in the evidence, so for example, uh, there is limited long-term uh, studies um, looking at long-term outcome, which is beyond six months, and that is one of the points that these authors bring up, which I think is a valid one. Um, so in general, they were interested in is platelet-rich plasma, so PRP injections. For people who don't know, uh, this is when they basically take your own blood, they concentrate the platelets, and then they inject it into the tendon. Um, and the, th the underlying theory behind it is interesting. It's, um, you know, and they talk about it here in their... Uh, in their introduction, uh, basically, um, tendinosis is associated with changes in different parts of the tendon, and um, the belief is that growth factors that are concentrated in the PRP uh, will have some sort of effect on um, uh, will have some sort of effect uh, in terms of stimulating some healing. Um, the problems with with that are, and this has been well documented and talked about in literature, is that it's probably a very simplistic approach to think that a PRP injection can uh, mimic, uh, you know, the multiple uh, growth factors in in the healing cascade. Um, and then the second point to that is that there's no evidence that actually healing does occur. Um, so there are some flaws in that um, argument, um, but let's focus on this review. Um, and what they have done and get to the meaty bit of what they found. Um, uh, and we'll try and keep the podcast generally to about 10 minutes. Um, okay, so in terms of their methods, um, what, they, uh, what they did was they followed the PRISMA guidelines, which is the preferred reporting items for systematic reviews and meta-analysis. And these are the um, gold standard guidelines that most people would follow when they're doing a systematic review. 
um, so that part was good. Uh, they um, uh, their, their main inclusion criteria were randomised controlled trials uh, that uh, looked at PRP injections versus some sort of control injection, and that could be saline, local anaesthetic, or corticosteroid. We'll talk more about that uh, in a second. Um, and then uh, they also uh, looked at um, um, a, a search, so they developed a search. Uh, they searched two databases, two appropriate databases, and uh, they extracted the data that they needed uh, from the included studies, uh, and they also reviewed the quality um, or assessed the quality using the Cochrane Collaboration Tool uh, for assessing the risk of bias in randomised trials, which is a, um, a high-quality uh, um, risk of bias assessment tool. Um, so, so some of the methods in here are, are actually really, really good. Um, when you read it, you... you, you starting to think this is you know there's some quality to the review that they have done um, then you get to the outcomes and what they've done with the outcomes is a little bit um, uh, interesting because they have uh, primarily looked at pain outcome so only one outcome out of multiple outcomes that you could potentially look at so I'm not sure why uh, if you look at Cochrane reviews they generally look at multiple outcomes or try and extract most of them because um, what you may find with pain might be different to what you find with function might be different to what you find with uh, quality of life etc um, so they've extracted pain the other thing that was a little bit interesting with the outcomes was that they looked at a period uh, of between 3 and 12 months and extracted um, the final follow-up in between three and twelve months, which is quite broad, you know, three to twelve months is very broad. Um, uh, so uh, generally, the problem with that is short-term outcomes may be different to long-term outcomes, and we'll get into that a little bit more as we go. Uh, then we get to their data analysis, where again, there's some good parts to it. They've looked at um, uh, effect sizes, standard mean difference effect sizes. Um, they've also uh, reported the, the the statistical heterogeneity, um, or planned to report the statistical heterogeneity, um, and um, then they've also planned for subgroup analyses. So. Uh, when when they uh, put all the effect sizes together, they look at different subgroups to see if they have different effects. Okay, so we'll talk about those as we get into the results. Um, so what they found, they 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 included sixteen randomised trials uh, into their um, into their systematic review, and um, uh, they were from there was lots of clinical heterogeneity. So clinical heterogeneity is when there's um, you know, lots of different um, ways that the studies go about things. Um, so it's hard to justify pooling when there's a lot of clinical heterogeneity. So, for example, different tendons, a lot of them were lateral elbow, but there was some Achilles and patella uh, and some others in there. So, um, you know, the, the, the way they did the injections. But I reckon the key one was the control injection. So some of them used a steroid, some of them used... Um, uh, saline and some of them used local anesthetic now the problem the huge problem with using steroid is that we know and it's, it's well documented that long-term effects of steroid are poor and there's recurrence so um, if you're comparing PRP to long-term steroid most likely the PRP is going to come out on top um, and that's just because the steroid is actually harmful in the long term um, on average 
uh, where people do see a recurrence. So, um, so that I think was probably the biggest issue uh, with this, uh, with the methods and they the way they went about it. Uh, what they could have done was a subgroup analysis where they've compared um, studies that have looked at um, uh, different uh, steroid uh, comparators versus the other comparators. Um, and they could also have done short-term versus long-term meta-analyses rather than just take the longest outcome anywhere between 3 and 12 months, depending on what the study did. Um, so they're probably the main points that I picked out from the... Um, uh, from the um, uh, from the methodologies, um, and that comes across when you look at the included studies. Um, so basically, what they found, though, let's cut to the chase. What they found is that PRP um, was associated with a lower tenopathy pain severity, um, and the uh, standard mean difference was 0.47, which is relative, which is a moderate moderate effect size. So so there's a moderate effect favoring PRP versus any of the other injections. Uh, but again, we don't know uh, whether that's partly because some of the steroid people become worse over time. Uh, they also did a meta-regression, which is looking at explanatory variables that can explain the um, outcome. Um, and they included in that length of follow-up, whether it was three um, anywhere between three and 12 months. And they found <clears throat> that the longer follow-up uh, favoured PRP more. And again, this could be partly an effect of the steroid becoming worse at that longer follow-up, uh, which is not really discussed at all at any point uh, within the paper uh, results or discussion. Um, so so that's um, uh, that's the main finding. So they did, uh, so it is quite positive towards PRP, uh, but when you look at some of those limitations, particularly the fact that steroid is uh, one of the comparators, then um, really what what is missed, I feel, is an opportunity to look at that as a, as a subgroup, which would have been, um, I, I think, quite revealing. Um, uh, then going on to their discussion... Uh, they talk about level one evidence that injections of PRP is efficacious, but again, because of the clinical heterogeneity in terms of the different tendons, um, as well as uh, the, the lack of subgroup analyses, um, then it's um, uh, it is very difficult to um, uh, to really support that uh, that um, conclusion. Um, uh, the other thing of note is that the effect sizes were really different depending on tendon. So for lateral elbow, it was the highest, and they got up to, say, 0.57. So there seemed to be greater effect for lateral elbow, but really negligible and small effects for um, rotator cuff and uh, Achilles and patella tendon. Um, so that was also something that was noteworthy in this study. Um, um, all right, so I think they're the main points. Um, if you if you have time, uh, I would definitely recommend reading the paper. Um, actually, one more point before I do wrap up is that it's uh, interesting to note, and they bring this up in the discussion, that they found something completely opposite to a review by DeVos where they uh, reviewed only lateral elbow PRP studies and basically quite strongly refuted any efficacy uh, of PRP, uh, which is completely opposite to what um, has been found in this review. Um, and one of the reasons the authors talk about as potentially explaining that is that there was no meta-analysis in the DeVos, um, in the DeVos 
uh, review um, where they've only um, uh, pulled study but not not pulled studies but not better analyzed um, the studies um, so that's interesting I'll, I'll link the DeVos uh, paper um, uh, to that as well uh, but again the, the you know the, the overarching point and I think just what really really does um, uh, make you doubt some of the conclusions in this study is the fact that uh, the, the uh, comparators could have been thought through and there could have been some uh, a priori um, uh, subgroup analyses which may have explained some heterogeneity that was there, i.e. some different findings. Excellent. All right, so I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll, I've survived my first podcast, which I'm really happy with. Um, I will catch you next time.